Let's, uh, let's pray as we, before you're seated, let's, let's pray. Thank you very much, Alex. Let's pray this morning. I just, uh, just a real sense of God's presence. Awesome to be worshiping God this morning. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be speaking about family. And uh, it's a real privilege to be able to be speaking to you this morning. And we're in for an awesome time. Yahoo! We're going to go for it. I've been preparing this week. I've been filling my life up. I've been immersing myself. I've been, you know, someone said, uh, uh, when you come to preach, fill yourself up and then pull yourself out. You know, that's the best way. It's not in me, but I've got to get something from God and fill my life up so that I might have something to give to you. Awesome people. That's what it's about. And for all you great people that are joining us online this morning and live stream, it's a privilege to be speaking into your lives, to, to uh, your families, wherever you are this morning. What an incredible privilege to be able to, to, to share the Word of God and to minister in the incredible hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we... Lord, we've come to church, but God, we really have come more than a building or just a meeting place. God, we've come to connect with you. God, we've come to, as it were, come into that gas station and we've come to be refueled, refired, filled up, topped up, loved some more and given a great boost to go on in our journey and fulfill the call that you've got upon our lives. Father, I pray your blessing on us as a people. Give us ears to hear. Cause our hearts to be in tune with your voice. And God, help us to run this morning. Help us to run with a greater passion than we've ever done before in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Look, before you see seated, just give someone a high five. Just appreciate love on people around you. It's great to see each one of you. Thank you, uh, worship team. Thank you for all that you're doing and leading us in worship this morning. As, as I was preparing, um, Pastor Jesse asked me to talk on this, this subject of, uh, of, of family. And so that's a, a, a subject that's very dear to my own heart. But as I was preparing this morning and, 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 and preparing this week for this morning, I was, I was really, and I want to just, I hope you've got your Bible with you, uh, and I hope you've got um, uh, some notes, you're going to take notes this morning. I don't just want to speak to you and then you think, oh, yeah, John preached a, you know all right message, and then you go home and you forget. I want you to take notes. I want you to, to, to jot down some things. I want there, to, there definitely to be some take-home things for you this morning. When I was thinking about the subject of family, and we're looking at relationships over the this theme for the next month or so, but I'm, my subject is about talking about family. But when I was thinking about family, and I want to talk about this later on in my message, I really want to entitle this message this morning, Living the Dream. I, we, I want to entitle Living the Dream, because if you just hear me tell some stories that I'm going to about family, in some ways you've kind of missed it. I want to try to inspire you because I believe that in inspired church, we are dreamers. We, we see beyond that the, the maybe some people up on the stage and 
instruments, worshiping a building. We are dreamers. We've caught something of the dream of God that comes through this word. And we as human beings are seeking to grab hold of this, allow God to speak to us from his word that we can successfully live a dream. (laughs) I love that. I don't know about you. What do you like when you get out of bed in the morning? Oh no, another day. Or do you get up and you think, oh, there's a dream to be lived today. There's something more. I'm, I'm on a pathway. I'm on a journey. There's something that's happening in my life that's significant, that's more than just eating, sleeping, going to work and all this stuff that we need to do. There's something of God's dream that's wanting to be just rekindled, refired, refreshed in our heart and life. You and I need to live the dream. We need to live the dream. Okay, back onto the subject of family. Well, you know, when you talk about the subject of family, I'm opening up a huge, huge subject. In many ways, it's like looking at a mansion with many, many rooms, and all we'll have opportunity this morning to look at is maybe one or two rooms. Sorry about that, but family is so huge. I remember a a young lady who who came into our um, home quite a number of years ago. Uh, She was an American exchange student. She came and was uh, to be a part of our family. She really almost became like a a true daughter in our home. And uh, she used to, um, she uh, um, she was the only child in her family. And one of the things that she used to really love was coming to church with us and then we'd, we'd come home and, and Sharon would prepare this meal and we'd sit around the table and we'd chatter and we'd talk and we'd relate. And she never really knew much about that, but her family experience was very, very different. But she came into to our family where there was a, a, a totally different thing happening. She loved that environment. I was brought up in a family of mum and dad, granddad, and my four sisters. There were eight of us in this, in this family. So it was a fairly big family. And one of the things I remember, and this, oh, this huge number of things I remember, but one of the things I remember was um, my dear mum. We need to remember our mums. They're very significant people. My mum used to make me awesome apple pies. They were just fantastic. But I look back on my mum, and I don't, I don't know... I look back on my parents and my children, and we were brought up in this um, farm, dairy farming family in Taranaki, and our house, I thought it was, and we as kids thought it was a big house. You know, Dad had added on some rooms to it and, and, and all this, and it seemed like a big house. But later, years later, we'd go back to the house and thought, man, we were brought up in a tiny home. It was, it was small. And my dear mum, you know, in that day, you know, mums did all the cooking, Dad's slacked out on the farm, you know, but mum was in the kitchen and, and we had this, we had this like a, a very small L-shaped kitchen and there was a, a tiny little bench. It was probably only about that wide. And then there were, there were a, a bench that came along and you could only just sort of get yourself in there or this bench, cupboards that went up. And I just think of my dear mum for years and years. And that, that kitchen was on the west side of the house. The afternoon sun would come pouring into that room and my poor old mum slaving in the kitchen for all us eight bods. You know, I think of the sacrifice of parents. And I was, I was thinking about that this morning and I don't know about you, but, but I was thinking about I was thinking about parents, I was thinking about grandparents, I was thinking about caregivers, I was thinking about people that foster children, I was thinking about people that, that, that sponsor children in other countries. And how about we just, right at this moment, just do something a bit weird, how about we just give a great handshake and a, a, a hand clap for, for parents, for caregivers, for, for people that go the extra mile, that people that make a family great, 
for people that don't just accept the, the boring status quo, status, status, what was it? Status quo, status quo. And, but, but make their families great that sow into their families. You know, when, when I was preparing this message, I, I sort of thought, no, I won't, I won't go there. No, yes, I will. When, when I was preparing this message, I thought, in some ways, you know, when you're talking about families, families can take you from the heights of heaven to the depths of despair. Sometimes when you talk about families and you hear about some things that are going on in families and it, it, man, it takes you to sort of lift your faith up again and believe God for a miracle in that home. And then other times you hear about families and it just, it blows you away with the sacrifice, the love, the, the genuine caring, the, the bending over backwards to help, to serve, to love, to lift up, to go the extra mile. And it just touches your heart. It warms you. It brings you back to that place that family is an awesome thing that, that, that God has created. You know, when I think about my own family, I think about my hardworking parents. I've already talked about they were a dairy farming family and mum and dad were devoted to, that, to us as kids. Uh, my parents loved us the best they knew how. We were a church-going family, but all oh, my dad was not good with discipline. I think particularly earlier on, I think that generation, you know, was all about the smacks and ask, ask questions later. There was a huge amount of discipline and not a lot of talking and trying to just, you know, negotiate an, another response. There was a fair bit of whacking going on, but that was something that, that we needed to work through. Fortunately, me being a, 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 a really obedient young man and my sisters bore the brunt of all the, the fury earlier on, I was spared. I was spared the strap. Look, you know, one of the things, I don't know, you know, probably know nothing about this, but in, the, in those days, going back one or two years, they used to have a thing called a razor strop. Boy, has anyone heard about a razor strop? Well, it was a piece of leather about that long and it had, a, it had a leather handle on the end of it. And what you used to do that men used to shave with a, with a, with a very sharp blade and uh, they would sharpen their, their, their blade on this razor strop. We well, see that, that piece of leather could actually be a very, very good weapon to instill discipline in these kids. Um, I better move on. So I remember, I, I remember, I remember my family. You know, everything in our family, everything in our family revolved around the farm. Everything revolved around the cows. And mum and dad loved us, they cared for us. But I remember one story. Someone in our family had a dream of, of us as a family heading off to Mount Ruapehu to the snow. We were a dairy farming family. We lived in South Taranaki. And so we were gonna head off on this family adventure all the way to Ruapehu. And so we, we get up in the morning, we think, yahoo, we're heading off on this adventure. Well, lo and behold, you know, dad, he's got to feed out. He's got to do something on the farm. Then finally, we, we head off in the car. Now, this, this car was very different from the cars that you and I have today. This car was a Rover 90. And I know all of you know what a Rover 90 was like, but it was a Rover 90. It had a, quite a long bonnet. It had leather interior and it was claustrophobic. So all of us, it had a tiny little, little um, oval-shaped window in the back of the car, and all of us, you know, five kids, mum and dad, piled into this tiny car, headed off to Ruapehu. But we're on an adventure. We're, ha we're a happy family. We love each other. We care for each other. So we head off on this family adventure. Well, we get over after hours and hours and hours of driving. We finally get over to Ruapehu to have some fun in the snow. 
Well, we get over there and we loved it. You know, we, we, we were always, dad was always, mum was farming. We didn't have a free time. So this was a huge adventure for us to head away like this. And so we get over to the snow. We're enjoying the snow. Well, lo and behold, after about what seemed like half an hour, three quarters of an hour, dad announces, okay, family, we're heading back home. Well, you know, of course, we're obedient. We were brought up properly with the razor strop. So we hop back into the Rover 90 and we drive all the way back home. Do you know, by the time we got back home, we were ready to kill each other. The, the, ang- the anger, the frustration, the, 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 oh, I don't know what was going on. But, you know, I think that was the first time that I was disciplined for punching one of my sisters. <laughs> And back in those days, that might be quite normal nowadays for families, but for, for us in that generation, for me to punch my sister, boy, it was a really serious thing, and I remember it today. <laughs> um, but that was the journey. Boy, we, we had some fun family times. And now moving on to our family. Look, um, a number of years ago, not, not that many years ago, um, Sharon, Sharon and I were married and we had our first uh, child, Tim, and, and that was really, that seemed to be no problem at all, just having one child. But then Sharon got pregnant again and then um, there, there seemed to be something quite wrong with the dates and the size of her. And so we ended up, um, the doctor said, look, Sharon, you need to go over to Hamilton. We were living in Cambridge. You need to go over and get a scan or an ultrasound or whatever you call it. They do them all the time now for pregnant mums, but back then it was, you know, history breaking. Um, so back then. Um, and so we head, over to, we head over to Hamilton and we go into this place and the lady says, yep, yeah, definitely you're having twins. And so she gives us, she wasn't meant to, she gave us this little black and white photo and it showed these two little heads, Matthew and Hannah. So, well, we were over the moon. We felt like film stars. So we head off to a coffee shop in the main street of Hamilton and we're looking, we're looking at this and thinking, Wow. And I think that the main thing that really hit me at that moment was, John, one child, no problem at all. Three children, oh, John, you're a family man. <laughs> you know, and that, that awesome sense of not trepidation, but sort of, man, you need to grow up, mate. You know, you need to stop just riding around the place on your motorbike. You, you've got some responsibilities here. And so, so the journey, I think, for me was, 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 yeah, suddenly I'm into being a family man. I just want to just take a couple of moments, and we are going to open, open some scriptures in a minute, which will encourage you. How are we going for time? I do want to, I do want to just share some things. And, and, and in some ways, I really felt as I was preparing this, I want to share something about our marriage and our relationship that I believe that will be helpful to us as families. Some ways, it's sharing a little bit of my heart, a bit of, bit of our journey, uh, and, and it's a bit personal sometimes, but you can cringe and I won't look or whatever, or my family can cringe. Um, but earlier on, in, earlier on in our marriage, um, uh, you know, I definitely made some mistakes, and this is confession time. But one of the things I really had to learn is to be a good listener. You know, we were newly married, and and Sharon and um, would would come home, maybe a work situation or a family situation or something would happen, and Sharon would come and she'd start to talk to me about some things. And well, you know, I just oh, I love this girl. We were newly married, and, and, and so as soon as she started to share these things, I would rush for my toolkit, I would rush for my mechanic's cap, and I would fix the situation. And to this day, I can still remember times when Sharon would start to unburden her heart with me, and I would go into fix-it mode. That's what men do. 
And so she would um, share some things and, 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 sh- and I'd cut into her conversation. And I'd, I'd look, Sharon, if we, you know, I think we need to do this and we need to do this and maybe this is another thing that we could do. And I'd reel off all these things. Well, do you know what was happening? My fixing skills were absolutely brilliant. But do you know what? It never made any difference to Sharon, except she actually got worse. That our relationship seemed to go um, south in a sense instead of north. It didn't seem to help me just trying to fix the situation. I realized in marriage that one of the things I really needed to do was to shut up. Sometimes people in my eye group tell me that. Uh, I needed to be quiet and I needed to be a better listener. Instead of just quickly rushing for the toolbox, I needed to learn to listen to Sharon. And the, and the, the understanding, I, I didn't know about I had four sisters, but I didn't know about this. Um, I needed to learn that sometimes our wives just need to talk to us. They do not want an answer. They do not want help. They do not want to have things solved for them. They want to be able to talk. And then at the end of it, sometimes, often, they do just like a hug, and then off they go, and they are fine. Well, a bloke does not understand that. That is way beyond his comprehension. So I realized in James chapter one and verse 19, see, I'll tell you, I've got a scripture. James chapter one and verse 19 says this, quick to hear, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I just think that's a huge thing. Proverbs 10 and verse 19, this is a very interesting scripture. Proverbs 10 and verse 19 says, when words are many, (laughs) when words are many, Sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. I love that. I was also realizing in another area, also realizing that when we got married, and I think this is absolutely significant, we brought two family lines. We brought two family lines into our relationship. There was, there was Shirin's family line and all her journey with her parents and sister and brother and all their journeys all over the world and, and me, just a very quiet country lad that was brought up in South Taranaki, not knowing much. But, I, but th- these two family lines came together and, and uh, one of the things that was, was really interesting was learning to cope with expectations, experiences. Sometimes we think because that was in our family, well, that's right and that's normal and that what's, what should happen. But oftentimes we realize, no, we, we, we get married and we find out about another family experience and we find out that, oh, well, maybe it is right for dad to get the cup of tea for his wife first thing in the morning. Or maybe it is right for dad to, you know, the men should always mow the lawns or whatever. Expectations, things that we bring from our family line. And it was really interesting. And this is um, a, a challenge that we faced very early on that I was working very hard. I was doing overtime. I was, you know, wanting to provide for my family. But I was finding that as I was doing this work and as I was involved in this, that I was finding that Sharon was getting quite upset. And there were things about her she was concerned about and she started to talk to me about it. And I'm sort of thinking, well, there's no problem here. I, I care for you. We're, we're, this is good for us as a family for me to be working hard. But I didn't realize that Sharon was going back to something that had happened in her family line where her dad was a, a, a very a successful and busy businessman and he would spend quite a bit of time away. And in Sharon's heart as a a young wife, she didn't want to see that same thing acted out in our family line where there was quite a disconnect and quite a sense of heartbreak really in a sense that the dad was spending so much time away or her husband was now spending so much time away that our relationship would, would move apart. And so we needed to learn to, to deal with those things and to uh, allow God to, to bring healing to us. Look, another thing that um, uh, we've, we've faced and, and journeyed with is this area of anger. 
Um, this is a good subject. Anger. <laughs> I don't really get angry a lot, but my sisters used to tease me at times and I would gradually start to move on the scale. It would take quite a while and I think that's what happened in the car. You know, there was constant teasing over many hours and finally my anger level got up, boof. You know, it finally, there is anger. All of us probably get angry at different times. Some get angry very quickly and some, get ang- some of us get angry more slowly. But I wanna say to you this morning, out of our family experience, anger, getting angry is a very poor way to bring correction and discipline. Sometimes we feel that, oh, I've just got to sort it out. And so we get angry thinking that that would solve the problem. It doesn't normally. We've got to look at better ways of solving anger. Apparently your IQ drops when your anger rises. So beware. You know, I was thinking about that in my mechanical background. If you're driving on the motorway in your car and you notice that the temperature gauge has gone over to the red, I'm sorry, your engine is probably gone. You see, by the time it's got to red, the temperature under the bonnet has gone way, way up and you've probably destroyed that motor. And I've learned in in, in our family background, learning to deal with things early, learning to deal with things before they get to that red zone, that danger, and we say things, we respond, we do things that really bring harm to our family. You know, I I laughed at Shuri's mum. Her way of dealing with with situations with her kids was was let the, the niggling and the squabbling and the difficulties go on in the family for quite a while until it reached that crescendo. That's a good word. Don't ask me to spell it. Crescendo. And, and mum would storm into, this is, this is good parenting advice. You're getting it. This is cheap this morning. She would storm into the lounge and she would say, look, you go to your room and you go to your room before I bang your heads together. You know, I don't know. That seemed to work. You know, it, it separated not. That was a pr- fairly poor way of dealing with it. You know, it's interesting in Proverbs 16 and verse 32, whoever is slow to anger is, listen to this, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You know, I believe, you know, dealing with anger and, and discipline in the home is a really important thing. Just another area I want to touch on, a real parenting thing that, that I don't know where we got this from, but really, really helped us in our journey. We had to really walk this tightrope a number of times. See, one of, the, one of the things, our kids growing up, they want freedom. You know, our grandson Max already wants his own phone. And he's almost demanding it, I need a phone. Goodness gracious. You know, he wants these things. And so our kids grow up and they want freedom. And, and in many ways, there's a natural thing. Kids, kids need to have freedom. They need freedom, but we learned, and I don't know who ever told us this, but always match the freedom as they show responsibility. And we learned to walk that tightrope in our parenting years where there would be greater freedom given, but as responsibility was shown as well. And sometimes as parents, that can be a hugely challenging thing because it's like a tightrope that you're walking, not, not holding back too much and not giving too much license, too much freedom. And that was a, a powerful thing that really helped us in our parenting journey. I just want to share one other thing, and then I'm going to move on, was this area of, um, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, uh, uh, we read, and this is incredible wisdom for us, and I believe 
um, is just so, such a foundational, powerful scripture. And it says this, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. This is talking about the new relationship. This is talking about a new family being born and it's talking about this context. And Jesus also spoke about it in Matthew chapter 19 and verse four. It talks about a man leaving his father and mother he cleaves, he is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And I just believe there's such a, a powerful truth in that of the leaving and the cleaving. In a sense that when a couple come together in marriage, it's like God brings about a whole new regime. It's a whole new family. It's a whole new identity, a whole new um, living being, as it were, that family unit. There's the leaving of the mother and father. I'm not going to talk to your mom and dad anymore. It's not that. It's the fact that God has established a new home. And in that new home, there comes that sense of unity. There's the cleaving of the husband to the wife and the wife to the husband, that they might go on this journey of unity and blessing in a lifelong way. And it was really interesting, and I'm gonna move on from this for a moment, but it was really interesting. Very early in our marriage, we, we were married for a year and then we had a, a time where we went over to Sharon's parents in, in, in the UK. And it was just for just a short period of time, we had that adjustment of, you know, Sharon and I were happily married. We were this, we were, Sharon had entered, you know, left her parents in a sense and become my wife and we we're in this marriage relationship. But now suddenly we were going back to the family home. And there is Sharon sort of, in this place of, well, where do I fit here? You know, am I, am I my parents' daughter and I've sort of got that relationship role or, you know, John's, husband, John's wife? You know, so, and, and just learning to negotiate that, but at the, the end of the day, realizing that a whole new thing had been born, that our family was, was um, uh, into, into this uh, new uh, relationship. I wanna just um, move on just a, a, a little bit and talk about our families and talk about what God is wanting to do. Um, I, I want, to, want to share a scripture in, in Genesis. And I want to talk about dreams. Because I just believe this is so important. I've shared history and I've said some journey about some parenting and some things with kids. But really on my heart this morning, I had this, this real, real thing about the dreams that God wants to bring into our families. And uh, in, in um, Genesis chapter 37, it, it begins to talk about Jacob's family line. And I just wanna open this up just for a moment because I believe it's so important to look at another family and to see what God did in this family line. And in Genesis chapter 37, we read and it says now, or this is the account of Jacob's family line. And Joseph, um, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. But then in verse three says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, he, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around and, and mine and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to rule over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what uh, had been um, 
of his dream and what he had said. I want to talk this morning about, uh, about that dream, you see, and about this family. And I believe it relates to our lives in, in a very significant way. You see, when you look at Jacob's family line, it, there's a huge amount of um, history that's gone into this family. But already in just reading those few verses of Scripture, there's tension. There's tension between Joseph and his half-brothers. Joseph brought a bad report. He told, he told on his brothers who were probably slacking at their job. There was outright favoritism from Jacob towards Joseph because he was a son born in his old age from Rachel, the woman that he truly loved. But in the midst of that, Joseph has a dream which speaks of rulership over his brothers and over his family. But this fuels the fire of bitterness, hatred, jealousy, and it comes to a boiling point when the brothers seize him, they strip him of his, strip him of his coat of many colors and, throw him, throws him, and they throw him into a dry well, uh, intending to kill him. But eventually the lesser of two evils, he is sold as a slave to Egypt. And, it's, and I, I don't wanna go through the whole story, it's a long story, but incredibly, God's hand is upon Joseph's life. He ends up in the house of the Egyptian official. He prospers, he runs the household, then actually gets falsely accused, thrown in a prison, serves in prison, runs the prison, prospers, finally released through interpreting some dreams for Pharaoh and, uh, and, and becomes second in charge under Pharaoh. You know, amazingly, God brings to fulfillment the dream that, that God had given Joseph and his brothers go to Egypt to find food because their families are starving, only to be reunited with their brother that they'd mistreated and, 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 and dealt with so, so uh, angrily. Uh, and, and now comes the situation of how Joseph will deal with these brothers that have returned. It's actually interesting. It never says that Joseph forgave his brothers, but he must have forgiven of his brothers for the restoration to have taken place. And in chapter 45, it's a long story, but in Genesis chapter 45 and verse five, it says this, and, and Joseph says this, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. You know, I wanna say to you this morning, and I wanna pick this up just for a few more minutes and run with it. You know, many, many of our families are broken. Many of our families have things going on with them that are far from good, far from normal. We have our road trips to, to Ruapehu and worse. We have different things happening. And in Jacob's line, we see, and in Joseph's family, we see that he was, this family was incredibly broken. It was incredibly needy. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of stuff that was going on. And I wanna just say to you this morning, and then I wanna come back and talk about dreams. There are a lot of things that harm families, that try to break families. And one of the things that comes out of this story is favoritism. Favoritism will destroy um, the, um, and break and try to break families. Favoritism is a huge one. It wreaks havoc and, and destruction in family lines. And also it can go from one generation to another. 
where there's some kids are favored over others or some things are done in the family line and there's favoritism. People, family members feel left out. They feel they've been unjustly treated or unfairly treated. Favoritism kills. Children need to grow up with that sense that they are loved, that they are precious, that they matter in this world, that they need to, need to know parents that genuinely care for them, that take an interest in their life. Children desperately need that in their lives and they do not need favoritism. Another thing that's so important in family life and, and talking about things that destroy is that nothing is confronted. Things are just swept under the carpet, bad attitude, sulkiness, allowed to run rampant and not brought into check. Nothing's touched on. Oh, just whatever, just whatever in the family. You know, I remember a very sad situation of a family we had quite a bit to do with. The, the parents were sort of trying to do something to, to help to bring um, healing and, and in that family. But, but really, the, the parents had lost control and the kids just ran riot. And, and what a, a very sad outcome for that. Another thing I just want to talk about is not enjoying your children. Can't wait for your children to leave home. Can't wait for the cruise ship. Do you know, we used to have cruise ships. Well, on cruise, you may not know this, but on cruise ships, they used to advertise, great family adventure. Um, you won't have to see your kids for two weeks. You go up the gangplank, parents, children. Yay, exciting family adventure. But, you know, I've always believed that, you know, our children are to be enjoyed and, and to live under that thing of, of can't wait till they leave home. How old are you yet? How old are you? Oh, when are you, when are you leaving home? You know, that devastating breaks families, um, not enjoying your children, um, selfishness, no sense of cohesion, everyone just doing what they want, when they want to, no mealtime chat. You know, we had contact with a very wealthy banking family a number of years ago, and do you know what they did to have a harmonious family? Do you know what they did? They had two homes. One home for the parents and the other home for the kids. That'll so solve all the issues in your family. Not. Another area is broken promises. As parents, we need to do what we, we, we say that we will do. And another thing I just want to touch on is um, poor communication. Boy, we need to talk. We need to communicate. But boy, I want to say this morning, and this has really been on my heart this morning, I want to say this loud and clear, that God had an answer for the brokenness and destruction in Jacob's family line. Sometimes we think, oh, well, I've got my family and this is going on and that's going on. But I want to speak a, a, a redemptive word over you this morning that whatever is going on, and I know sometimes in our families things can be really tough, but I want to say this, this morning that there's a redemptive dream. There's, there's something that God is doing, that He started, that He's already doing, and that He will do in your family life. It's a redemptive dream. You know, when you think about that with, with Joseph, God, God gave that dream to Joseph, but Joseph had to run with that dream for many years before it was fulfilled. All it was was a dream. All it was something in his heart, believing that one day things are gonna change. One day things, there's gonna be an answer. One day there's gonna be something of God's redemptive plan being outworked. You know, I believe that that dream, that dream spoke about a future, a destiny, and a great deliverance. You know, here we have an extremely broken family, but God brought a redemptive dream. God brought something into that brokenness that changed. Joseph ran with it, and finally that dream was fulfilled. 
you know, I was thinking, I was thinking over this in my own family. And I suppose when you're talking about family, you're going back to your own family. You know, a number of years ago, I was going to say years and years ago, a number of years ago, when Sharon and I were just recently married, um, we it wasn't as though we went away for a weekend conference or had this great session and talking about our family, but God put a dream in our heart that that we didn't just want to carry on with the family traditions that had come down from both our line in a sense. Some were extremely great and good and a great blessing to our life, but there were some things that came down into our family life that were destructive. That we, we didn't want to live that. We'd become Christians as a teenager and as teenagers, and we wanted something to be different. And what I want to say to you, in those early years of our life, a God dream began to be uh, uh, grow, planted, grown in our lives. We, if, if you'd talked to us about that, we would never have said, oh yeah, we've got a dream. We've got a dream. It wasn't like that. It's just something had started to happen in our life that, that, that we, wanted our, we, we wanted to have that sort of heart of Joshua. He said, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're gonna, we're gonna follow Christ. We, we want to live for God. We want to not just allow those things to continue on, just whatever will be, case sera, sera, whatever will be, let it just happen in our family. I don't really care. I'm, just, I'm heading off, you know. No, we, we felt a sense of dream. We felt a sense of purpose. We felt a sense that God was wanting to do something in our hearts and lives, where there was kindness, where there was forgiveness, where there was a great atmosphere, where the, where the kids loved each other, where we were able to talk together and laugh and, and enjoy. Has the journey always been easy? No, it hasn't. And I just, I just think so often, you know, there, there, yes, there can be a battle. But I believe that when you allow this dream to come into your heart, and I really felt for us this morning, and I'm going to draw this to a close, but for each of our families this morning, I believe that God's got a redemptive dream. Whatever you are facing as a family, as, and, and, in your journey right now, I believe that there's a, a, a redemptive dream for you. And I just felt so strongly on my heart, look, whatever is happening, whatever is going on in your family, stay in faith for your family. Keep on believing God. Keep on pressing on. Keep on growing. You know, I've, I think so often it's easy when challenges happen and battlegrounds appear. You know, we get focused on the issues and all that. And we forget about just growing in God. We forget about just, okay, well, I'm, I'm heading off to church today. You know, I, I'm, I'm still playing my part. That might be happening with you, but, but I still want to keep growing. I still want to keep coming before God and believing for breakthrough in my marriage or, or my, my family life. I'm still going to keep in faith for my family. And I've written down here, you know, sometimes there can be a real battleground. Don't be afraid of the battle. Battles will come, battles will go. But through battles, when they're wisely fought, there is victory. There is ground that's taken. So don't be scared by the battle because that does happen. Speak words of life over your family. You know, don't get into that situation of, of, of negativity. Oh, this is happening with my family and that's happening with my family. And just get a real downer. You think nothing can change. It's always been like that, blah, blah, blah. Instead of God, your redemptive dream. God, you're going to bring about change. God, you're going to do something in my, la in my family. You know, spending, uh, praying for your family, bringing your family be before the throne room of God. I think that's something that Sharon and I have, have done, boy, a whole lot more over the last few years. Just felt an urgency to pray for our family, speak God's blessing over their lives and, and love on our family in that way, praying God's blessing, spending time with your family, 
Um, let them know that you care. Loving and not judging. You know, um, and I've written this down here. And I just want to just speak this, speak this to you. Being a conduit, the catalyst of change for your family. Stop judging. Stop rehearsing the problems. But decide, you know, I'm going to be the catalyst of change for my family. And I'm going to see what, what God will do. It starts with me. You know, one of the things that we've been doing in our I group recently is, is, is doing that study on uh, the Lord's Prayer, um, uh, Pastor Rick Warren. And one of the things that's been just a, a, a snippet of revelation to me is that, you know, sometimes I end up praying and I'm, I'm praying, oh God, you know, I just pray for your blessing in that area and I'm praying God do this and do that in different situations. And, and, uh, and, uh, but, but that prayer says, part of that prayer says, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. And that sense of God in, in where I am right now, I just ask your kingdom come. God, I just, in my, in my heart, Lord, I'm, I'm just not doing the judging. I'm not doing the, the, the point, finger pointing. Oh, if only, you know, God, in my life right now, in my mind, Lord, in my heart right now, your kingdom come. And from that place, I believe that's a place of, of healing. I believe it's a place of, of victory for us. God, your kingdom come. And through my life, let your redemptive dream touch my family. I want to I just um, um, draw this to a close and, uh, and um, a better, better close. Um, I, I just want to, I, I want us to respond to the Lord in, in just opening our hearts to Him. Um, many, many, many years ago, um, uh, before Sharon and I got married, um, uh, we had a, co- a phone call conversation with Sharon's mum and dad in England. And in that fo- phone call conversation, a long-distance long phone call, um, uh, something was said that was misconstrued. There was a, a miscommunication of what was said on that phone conversation. And uh, we were able to privilege a, a year later after we got married here in New Zealand, we were able to go over and visit mum and dad in the UK. But boy, things were really, really icy and difficult. And we thought, God, what are we going to do here? But you know, I want to say that just the same as with, with um, Joseph, that redemptive dream, God put a redemptive dream in our, in our hearts for reconciliation, for God to turn that whole situation around to bring healing and life. And what actually happened from that, later on, with, we had lots of trips to and fro from the, to the UK, but eventually what happened is mum and dad came over to New Zealand and uh, they chose and wanted, they built a house about five minutes away from us and God brought about a complete uh, restoration of, the, of the, the, the dream that had been broken really earlier on, the, the break in our family, but God restores, God brought back. And one of the very powerful, uh, lovely things was that mum always used to send me, you know, um, uh, son-in-law cards. But then after a period of time of being back here in New Zealand, uh, mum would send me son cards. She actually treated me like a son. God's a restoring God, and I just believe for redemption. I, br- I believe for, for that, that dream of Joseph that, that spoken to our, his, his family line can be the same for us. Can we, just, can we just stand to our feet this morning? And um... I want us just to take a, take a moment, a, a moment with God, a moment to... To just say, Lord, I, I just afresh bring my, my life before your throne. Lord, there's a sense of just your dream. 
just really felt that upon my heart this morning as I was preparing for this, uh, this week that there's a, there's a sense of rekindled dreams. Some of you here this morning and, and you're, you're walking, you're living in the dream. You're, 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 there's there's um, unfolding a blessing and, and you're walking in that. But others of us, boy, it's like that dream's been battered a bit. That dream is going through some real testing. That, that dream is going through some uh, real battlegrounds. And I just believe this morning that there's a, a, just a, a fresh sense of call to awaken that dream, to awaken that dream that's in your heart and life and to believe that God's gonna bring restoration, God's gonna bring healing, God's gonna bring victory, God's gonna bring change uh, over your family, uh, in your life, in relationships, God's gonna bring healing and God's gonna um, answer the very prayer and cry of your heart. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.